Hello and welcome back to your weekly dose of serotonin. I am your host, Sarah, and today we will be talking about Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly and their relationship. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think I said something along the lines of like, I want to do an episode about them because their relationship is insane to me. Um, And so now is the time. I just want to talk about them. I don't know if it's interesting to anyone else. I feel like it should be (laughs) because they have said a lot of weird things about each other. Um, So it's just very interesting to me to watch. I will say that like when they first got together, I was confused, but I just went on with my life because it doesn't really affect me in any way. Um, And then... After that, I learned a lot of things about them against my will just because it would like pop up on like my feed and stuff or like whatever. They'd be like, oh, they said this about each other and it was just so bizarre. And so then I started to like read more about them and just kind of fell down a rabbit hole. So I'm just going to be sharing that information with you guys today. And I hope that it's as weird and interesting to you. It's okay. It's not that weird. Like, I mean, they're just two people who got together. That's not that weird. But just like their energy with each other is real weird. (laughs) Um, But look, let me first preface this by saying I wish them every happiness. I am not here to like tell two people that they can't be happy together. They're both consenting adults. So good for them. Good for them for finding someone who matches that weird um, energy, aura, vibe, whatever you want to call it, who matches the kind of personality that they have. Um, They seem to fit well together. I think that uh, that might have to do with the fact that I just think they're on a lot of drugs, but we'll get into that. But, like, every happiness to them both. This is in no way trying to, like, say that they shouldn't be together or say that, like, it's an unhealthy relationship. I think it's a weird relationship, but they, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where this episode is going to go. I'm just saying every happiness to them both. I mostly just want to talk about the really weird things that they say to each other just because, like, that's something that I would never do. (laughs) Um, And, like... I, so I don't really understand it. I would never, here's the thing. I would probably never really post about a significant other on social media anyways, like a big post about how much I love someone just because to me that's more private. Other people are into that and that's fine. Good for them. Maybe things will change for me if I'm in love with someone enough to want to do that. Um, but like I could see myself doing that more in my early 20s, which is also... I'll get into that also. I have a theory about why they're so public about their relationship. But anyways, um, maybe in like my early 20s, because I know in my early 20s, like late teens, very, very early 20s, I was more into like posting like birthday messages and stuff like that for friends, um, which is great. And it's also very flattering when people post things for me on my birthday. But I just like, as I got older, I just did not have the like actual energy to put into doing that for every single friend. And I never wanted to like make someone feel left out. And I just feel like I'm able to like say more things if I'm just writing them like a private text or sending them a card or calling them or whatever. It just feels a lot more private. And I think that like the older I get, the more private I want to be anyways. So when I see the things that they say about each other, it's just kind of confusing to me because I cannot imagine that I would ever want to be that public. I mean, I did literally tell you guys, I feel like I told you this. I did already tell you before that I would like to like not even tell anybody if I'm ever like engaged, married or pregnant and then just be like, oh yeah, I have a child now. You didn't know? Like, I think that would just be so funny. (laughs) So maybe it's less me wanting to be private and me just more like wanting to be mysterious for the sake of being funny. But most things in my life, I do just for the sake of being funny. Like the decor I choose is just things that make me laugh. Do you know? Okay. Um, I have this tapestry that I bought. I don't know why I bought it. So in case you don't know, I'm obsessed with the moon. I think the moon is very, very beautiful. 
There have been times where I get distracted while driving because the moon is so beautiful. I'm not unsafe. I'm a good driver, but like, it's just, it's just so beautiful. I just love the moon. I don't know why, but like nighttime stars, the moon space, like that's my jam. So anyways, I got this tapestry that says stay wild moon child, which I don't even really know why it was on sale. Um, it was online and like at the time I wanted that to be like the kind of vibe in my room, like this almost like, uh, not mystical, but like, I don't know, like hippie moon child kind of vibe. Um, anyways, so I bought it and when I got it, it's like massive. It is huge. I, this is my problem. I'm notorious for not actually looking at measurements of things. I definitely have gotten like four Christmas presents this year for other people. And when they came, they were much, much, much smaller than I thought they would be like literally actually quite tiny. Um, so this is an issue that I've had for my entire life. I'm very bad with measuring things. I'm very bad with like spatial awareness. Is that what you call it? I don't know. But like, I'm really bad at imagining how big things are. Like if someone tells me something is like 12 inches, I know that's a foot, but I'm like, but how big is that? You know? I like try to go based off of my foot size, which is eight. So then I'm like, okay, so then add in like half of another foot of mine, like one of my feet and then that's a foot. But then I'm like, then it's just still confusing to me. I don't know. I'm really bad at it. So when I have to see, like when I see measurements of things, I usually just like imagine how big I think that is. And I'm never, I'm never correct. And you'd think I'd have learned by this point in my life, I'm almost 30 And I have not, I've not learned that and I probably never will. So that's my toxic trait. But anyways, I got this tapestry and it's huge, huge, like actually quite huge. So I never hung it up because I was kind of embarrassed about it because I was just like, this is going to take up an entire wall basically. And I wanted that vibe, but not that much. Um, anyways, my roommate at the time wanted so badly for us to put it up because she thought it was hilarious how big it was. Um, but we couldn't really figure out how to hang it up. I probably would have done it just because it's funny. Um, but then we couldn't figure out how to hang it up. Like, what do you do? Tape it to a wall? I mean, it's a tapestry, so there's not really any, like, there weren't really any holes for nails, I think. I don't remember. And I don't even know where it is anymore. It's in a box somewhere. Um... Maybe someday I'll hang it up somewhere. We'll see. Just for the sake of being funny. But basically, yeah, that's why I don't think I'd ever post about a relationship online. That's the moral of that story. I don't know how I got into 17 tangents from what I was saying. But back to Megan Fox. Um, Every happiness to them both. Before I get into their relationship, I do want to say a few things about Megan. I feel like... The world in general owes Megan Fox an apology. Um, The way that she was treated in the like mid 2000s, I guess I should say early like 2010 era. um, I think she was just wildly mistreated by the media and by women in general, to be honest. Um, I know at that point of my time of my life, I was a feminist, but not really. Like, I didn't really know what feminism was. I was like, woo, girl power. But like, I didn't really know what it was. And I was not a good feminist at the time because I definitely still judged women a lot. Um, And obviously, like, to be a feminist, that doesn't mean you're not going to, like, ever judge anyone. But I feel like I, I judged the way that the media portrayed her as, like, as if that was her, you know, does that make sense? Like, look, we can't pretend that she wasn't hypersexualized. She was, she was hypersexualized at a very, very, very young age. Well, by very young, that makes it sound like she was a child. She actually was. We'll talk about that in one second. Um, but like when she was in transformers, which was kind of her breakthrough role, obviously she had had many other roles before that. I mean, shout out to, um, Holiday in the Sun by, you know, the one and only Mary Kay and uh, Ashley Olsen. Um, That movie is iconic and that came out in 2001. So she had been 
acting for a while because the first Transformers came out in 2007. So she had already had roles for about six years. She was also in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. We can't forget that. Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen is such a good movie. It is so weird. Like, it is bizarre. I don't even know what's happening 90% of the time in that movie. But it's just, it's classic Lindsay Lohan. It's a great, great movie. Ah, great might be a weird word to say. It's a fun movie, and it's enjoyable, and I very much enjoy watching it. Anyways, um, who's the main guy in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen? I just remember him being attractive. Adam Garcia. Isn't he in um, my friend's favorite movie, Coyote Ugly? Yep, that's the one. Anyways, mm, I'm just looking at him on Wikipedia. Nice to see you again, Adam. He's 48? Wow. All right, that's older than I thought he was. Anyways, um, yeah, so she had been in movies for like six years before she was in Transformers, um, but that was really like her big role. That was the breakthrough role, and I think everybody who has watched Transformers can remember her entrance, that like slow pan up of her um, like leaning over a car fixing it, I think. Um, I mostly know about it for the most part, because A, that's kind of what people used a lot when they were talking about her as a person. Like they were like, oh my gosh, look, she just like, I remember, I remember these conversations when I was in what, 2009, I would have been, or 2007, I would have been in junior high, right? I think I would have been like seventh grade at that point. No, not seventh grade, ninth grade. I don't know. I don't remember, but I would have been in junior high at that time. Um, and I remember people saying like, oh my gosh, like she just wants boys to look at her. She just wants, and I remember being like, oh yeah, that's true. Cause like, I didn't know any better. I was just listening to what people were saying around me, which isn't a d- good defense, but like I was a child at the time. So I wasn't smart enough to like think more deeply about these things. Um, because clearly it's not like that was her choice. Like that was a director's choice, which Michael Bay, uh, I could just talk about how creepy I think he is for a very long time. But anyways, um, clearly that was like a director's choice, not hers in any way, other than the fact that she was the actress for it, but also that's her breakthrough role. And I could also go on and on and on about women doing things that they probably don't want to do and men, to be honest, um, because someone in a position of power is asking them to do it and they think if I don't do this thing then my whole career is gone and that happens a lot in um like entertainment um like the entertainment world I mean we saw that with like the Harvey Weinstein case or whatever how he did that to so many people and I know that a lot of other people do do that that haven't ever gotten caught and I know that happens in music like that industry is rampant with that but it also for sure happens in just other normal jobs as well where like your boss takes advantage of you and you don't want to lose your job so you just go along with it and it doesn't necessarily have to do with like being hypersexualized like Megan was um and kind of still is but like I think like it can do with any anything you know what I mean like just doing things you're not comfortable with whether it's like lying at your job or I don't know. You you know what I mean. You can you can figure it out. But basically, she didn't really have a say in how that went down and because of how like like she was just made to look like the perfect female specimen basically. I also had like so I took a class that was one of the best classes I've ever taken. Um and it was about women in theater was basically what the class was supposed to be about. But, um, and it wasn't like theater now it was like restoration, Peter, uh, restoration period theater. Uh, have I talked about this before? I don't recall if I have or not. So I'm just briefly going to go over it. Um, anyways, so I took a class that was about, the stage and theater in the restoration period in England. So basically there was a king in England who hated um, like plays and drama and whatever. And so he like burned down all of the theaters and playhouses and stuff 
when he became king because he thought they were like satanic. Um, and then a new came was a new king was in charge, and he was like, "No, they're great. I love plays. I love the theater." This is great. We should have dramas all the time. And so they like built a bunch of new ones and it kind of had like a resurgence. So it was like the restoration of theater in England. Anyways, um, but we talked a lot about women in that class. Um, there was a woman teacher who I adored. She was a really good professor and she, um, we talked a lot about it because this was previous to the burning down of these playhouses um women were not allowed on stage I mean we all know that like in the old days women like female characters in plays were portrayed by boys usually teenage boys um like before puberty hit so their voices were still a little bit higher Anyways, after the restoration um, of these playhouses, then women were allowed to be on stage. And so we kind of dissected how that changed the plays that were written in that time period. Um, Actually, a lot of them featured a lot more like violence against women and cross-dressing because it was like exciting, I guess, for the audience to see these like really sketchy things and like women in pants and whatever that was like scandalous at the time to see those on stage so it was kind of a little bit disturbing to see how quickly that shifted um but anyways in that class we talked a lot about the male gaze if you don't know what the male gaze is I could all I could actually I won't do this because this will get a little bit into a territory that I know some some things about but I'm not like an expert on the subject but um by any means anyways um I could talk a long time about the male gaze and also the female gaze, which some people say don't exist. But anyways, the male gaze is basically like what men want to see in a woman, (laughs) like the dream, um, like the dream, their dream version of a woman, if that makes sense. Um, let me look up the definition for you. It's basically about like the way that men sexualize women. That's essentially what it is. So, okay, look. In feminist theory, the male gaze is the act of depicting women and the world in the visual arts and in literature from a masculine heterosexual perspective that presents and represents women as sexual objects for the pleasure of the heterosexual male viewer. Which you can see in a lot of... I did not think that I was really going to go down this rabbit hole this far. Um, I'll wrap it up quickly. But basically, it's portraying women solely as objects of male pleasure. So making a woman seem beautiful and submissive and um, just like going along with whatever the man wants to do. That's basically what it is. And you can see that in media time and time again. Um... I think it's getting slightly better in recent years, but like, it's definitely still there. Like if you see a movie directed by a male director, it's usually going to be present in some way. Um, like they're just placating the male audience. They want to draw on male viewers. So they put things like that in. Um, anyways, so basically we, that scene from Transformers, her introduction shot we talked about in that class a lot because it's like the perfect example of the male gaze, like that slow pan upwards. She's like showing a lot of skin. She's like bending over in a provocative way, whatever. And just like her character in general in that Transformers film is just basically the, like a character made for, for the male gaze because it's like this beautiful, perfect girl. Um, who like falls for Shia LaBeouf's character or whatever. And so anyways, whatever. But basically because of that, like she was just set up as a sex symbol in Hollywood and like people just like didn't take her seriously as anything other than a sex symbol, um, which is really, really sad. But I do want to talk very briefly before I go into the Machine Gun Kelly stuff about Michael Bay and like kind of what happened to Megan Fox in Hollywood. Um, look, she, it was just disgusting. Cause like she was in a 
film with Michael Bay or like he directed another film she was in, which was in uh, 2003, 2003. She was in Bad Boys 2. So she was just like in a bikini dancing by a waterfall or whatever. She was basically like an extra. She wasn't really a character in it. I don't even know if there are characters in the Bad Boys films, but oh yes, there are. Anyways, she was like just like an extra in it. She was 15 at the time. And, like, apparently Michael Bay was kind of, like, disgusting to her. Um, And, like, but she didn't know any better. And she didn't, I don't think she even realized it until kind of, like, after as as she was getting older. And as Transformers, she was in Transformers 1 and 2. And he probably did, like, the same kind of thing then. Like, she has said that he didn't, like, really make any, like, overt, like, sexual um, passes towards her or anything. But just, like, the way that he directed her and things like that were just, like overly sexualized um and like when she was in bad boys 2 in like this bikini dancing or whatever she was 15 years old which is very very young um but basically when she talked about that instead of she talked about it on a talk show with jimmy kimmel and instead of people being like yuck that's really gross that they casted like extras that were underage and had them like standing there looking like basically sex objects um Anyways, am I going to get flagged for how many times I'm saying sex in this episode? Anyways, um, basically, they were, uh, what was I saying? She was saying that, like, you know, she was 15 years old and it was kind of disturbing. And, like, Jimmy Kimmel was, like, making jokes about it. And, like, the audience was just, like, laughing. Like, they basically just, like, glossed over it when it's actually kind of disgusting when you think about it. Um, but yeah, she's mentioned before how like she actually started to get really, really, really self-conscious and basically have like a psychological breakdown for like how like hyper-sexualized she was for a lot of her roles. Um, like in Jennifer, Jennifer's body, which I never watched, but it came out in 2009, right after Transformers 2, like just because of some of these roles, because she's literally so beautiful, people just hypersexualized her in every role that she was in and I think she was cast in a lot of those roles and I also feel like at that point she didn't really have the means to turn down those roles if she really wanted to make it in Hollywood so she was kind of in a lose-lose situation but basically it was really hard for her just being seen in that way um and also like she always considered herself to be a feminist but because of the way that she was portrayed a lot of like feminists didn't really acknowledge her as part of the group um like she said that it kind of felt like women in the feminist like movement were saying like we support females but only certain ones which I think is definitely the case people still do that I was doing that I mean I feel like luckily now I've grown Um, but like a lot of people still do that. Um, and yeah, anyways, so, but basically the thing about Michael Bay that I wanted to point out before I spend the second half of this podcast, actually talking about what this podcast is supposed to, this episode is supposed to be about. Um, so she like called out how Michael Bay, um, she said he was a nightmare to work for on set. And I think she said a few other things about like how he just, like I said earlier, like hypersexualized her in her, in the film she was in with him, like, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think she said anything like nasty about him, like really like cruel, but she, I mean, it probably isn't nice to hear that you're a nightmare to work for. But anyways, the thing is, Like I said, of course, that wouldn't be nice to hear, but like, he's a successful director. You could just like move on past it or be like, oh, I'm really sorry if that's what happened and that was your experience. Like, I'm sorry, whatever, and move on. Like just a simple apology and you can move on and that's not that big of a deal. Anyways, but his like personal website put out like an open letter and it was from the film's crew and um they basically were calling her all sorts of names they said she was dumb as a rock and there's this one part of the the letter that is horrific um 
And it says, we had the unbearable time of watching her try to act on set. And yes, it's very cringeable. So maybe being a porn star in the future might be a good career option. But makeup beware, she has a paragraph tattooed on her backside, probably due to her rotten childhood. Easily another 45 minutes in the chair. Like, what? What? A professional man... That's it's not that surprising, but a professional is publishing this is letting this letter, which is apparently written by the film's crew, but still that you're letting it be published on your personal website, saying this kind of thing about another professional in the same industry, like that's just so petty and low and kind of gross and despicable in my opinion. Like whatever it's basically like a horrible reference letter and like of course like maybe I don't know like maybe she shouldn't have brought it up I don't want to say that I actually take that back I think that people should be brought up for I think you should talk about when other people have bad behavior um but it kind of blacklisted her for a bit for from like a lot of jobs I would assume um but yeah, anyways, it was just, it was just terrible. Like she like actually had, like she was actually bold enough to speak out against a man who mistreated her in the industry and then everybody like turned against her. So anyways, um, that's really sad to me, but she's, you know, she's making a comeback. I know she's going to be in some new stuff and she has been in some stuff for the last few years. So good for her. Um, but yeah, so let's get into her relationship with Machine Gun Kelly, which I'll probably alternate between calling him Machine Gun Kelly and also because that is like kind of the worst stage name ever. Um, I'll probably call him by his real name. His real name is Colson Baker, which he actually just recently, I think within the last few days, actually, um, he has mentioned that he wants to go by his real name now instead of Machine Gun Kelly. Um... Because I just know that a lot of things now are saying, like, Colson Baker, a.k.a. Machine Gun Kelly. Like, he wants to go by that now. Um, so I might alternate between calling him... Calling him Colson sounds weird, but Baker, maybe? Baker and and Megan? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. You'll figure it out. Um, basically, let me set the stage. So M- Megan Fox is currently 35 years old. And Colson Baker, a.k.a. Machine Gun Kelly, is 31. So there's like a five-year difference. Not that big of a deal. Um, for those of you who don't know, Megan Fox was previously married. She got married in... Um, I don't know, but she started dating Brian Austin Green in 2004, which was when she was 18 years old. So they started dating when she was 18 and he was 30, which... I think is an issue. Um, She has said before that he was hesitant to enter into the relationship because of their age gap, but she was basically the one who um, like tried to like convince him that she was mature enough to be in a relationship, which could be the case for sure. Um, But like, I just find that slightly, um, I don't know what the good, what a good word is. I wouldn't say suspicious. I would just say that like, an an age gap that large is questionable um especially when one of the people in that relationship is so young i think the older you get age gap matters less and less you know if someone's 30 dating a 40 year old i don't think that's that big of a deal um but if you're 18 dating a 28 or 30 year old i think that is kind of a big deal because there's just a huge difference in life experience in life experience and sometimes it works out but I think a lot of times even if they do stay if they do stay married there's sometimes a difference in like uh, I don't know how to put this (laughs) um often the older person in the relationship especially if it's a man just due to the way that the world works um is often like a very the dominant partner and then the younger partner is usually like just goes along with what the older partner says obviously 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 that's not always the case 
but sometimes that does happen. Um, and it just creates this huge imbalance of power, um, which I think is, you can't really have an imbalance of power in a healthy relationship. So anyways, they stayed together for a long time, so they did make it work. Um, and I don't know that because when they did get divorced, it was, the divorce was barely finalized in October of this year. So they were married for about 10 years. Um, so obviously she was like, early thirties when this divorce started happening and their relationship started falling apart. So they did make it work for quite some time. Um, but yeah, anyways, she was 18 when they started dating, they got married in 2010. Um, I think they had gotten engaged. Yeah. They were engaged in 2006, which was when she was 20, which is also extremely young, but anyways, Um, And then they ended their engagement in 2009, but then got engaged again and in 2010 and later that same month after like, I mean, they could have gotten engaged earlier in 2010, but it was reported in June that they got engaged again and then they got married later that month. Okay. Anyways, she has, they have three children and I'm trying to think of, see if there's anything else quickly. They Oh, in 2015, Fox, Megan filed for divorce, but then in early 2016, they were back together and that's when they were expecting their third child. Um, in 2019, or no, sorry, in 2020, they announced that they had separated. So four years after, yeah, about four years after their third child was born, they announced publicly they had separated Then they filed for divorce. The divorce was finalized in October of this year. Okay, so that's basically the background on her early life with um, relationships. And like that just, that will come up in a bit when I'm discussing why I think they act, her and Machine Gun Kelly act the way that they act. Um, Okay, so about Colson Baker, I don't know much about him and I don't think it really matters in this case. (laughs) He's 31, that's all you really need to know. He does have a child from a previous relationship that is let's see how old she is um I don't know I can't find it quickly so it doesn't matter but anyways they met in 2020 let me see hold on hold on hold on I had it up I have like a bunch of timelines on so they met in March of 2020 the separation I think was announced around that time I don't think that it was like Well, first of all, they would have separated before they announced it. So they would have been separated. I'm not saying that I think Megan was unfaithful necessarily. Like, of course, they started dating while she was still married. Um, Her and Machine Gun Kelly started dating. But her and Brian Austin Green were definitely separated at that time, at least to my knowledge. And also, I I don't know anything about this, and it's not really my business. Um, But basically, they did start dating soon after her and her husband were separated. So in May of 2020, that's when she was first spotted with him, like outside of work. Um, and okay. So then it was May of 2020. So they were spotted together publicly around the same time as the separation was announced. And he, the husband, Brian Austin Green, when he was announcing that they had split. I think somebody asked him about Machine Gun Kelly. Um, and he said that they're just friends at this point. I trust her judgment. She's always had really good judgment. He seems just like a nice dude. Anyways. Um, then she was in his music video and they like made out in his music video and it was apparently really steamy. I never watched it. Um, I, maybe I should have to do some research on this topic, but I did not. Sorry about that. You can check it out yourself. It's called bloody Valentine, which seems on brand for their relationship, to be honest. Anyways, June of 2020, um, they were seen out and about, oh, they were holding hands and sharing a kiss for the first time. Not, it was definitely not their first time kissing, but like seen kissing in public outside of a work situation. <laughs> That's a long disclaimer. Anyways, they basically confirmed that they were dating in June of 2020. And I think later that day, the singer tweeted out, like, I'm going to call you my girlfriend or something. So 
They basically said that they were dating in June of 2020 was when it was official. Um, and then let me look at the rest of this timeline really quickly. I don't think any of this matters because I'm going to be talking about the weird things they're saying, but I think they've been together pretty consistently since June of 2020. So they've been dating for at least a year and a half. Um, right. Oh my gosh. This freaking timeline is so long. It's like every five seconds they have to say something about them. (laughs) I'm like sitting here complaining about why are they, why are they talking about every single time they're even seen in public together? Um, when I'm making an entire podcast talking about them, it's fine. Um, so yeah, I guess it's December now. So they've been together definitely for like a year and a half. Um, and they seem to like be fine. Like, Obviously, we don't know what happens behind closed doors, but they seem happy. They seem in love. Everything seems great for them. So I'm happy for you. But let me just talk about like the weird stuff. Oh, goodness. My laptop is at 17%. Um, hold on one second because I am going to need my laptop to have battery so that I can tell you guys the weird things that they say about each other. Because this is like what I'm actually supposed to be talking about for this podcast. And it's only going to be like for like a third of the podcast that I'm actually talking about this. But anyways, um, okay, never fear. I just plugged in my, I just plugged in my laptop. So we're good to go. Okay. So I have this um, article that was sent to me by a friend. Um, that's called, it's from Buzzfeed. Thanks Buzzfeed. It's called 17 of the wildest things Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly have actually said about their relationship. This is what I want to go over. This is just, is so weird to me. This is what I'm talking about. This is why their relationship is so weird to me because like, can you, I would just like you to take one second, take a second and imagine yourself in a relationship. If you are not, if you are in a relationship, imagine yourself saying this about your significant other. Like actually on the internet, publishing these words for everyone to see. Imagine that. Okay. And then let the horror sink in as you hear what they actually say together or say about each other. So on their first Valentine's Day together, which would have been of this year, um, Colson Baker, aka Machine Gun Kelly, he posted about them on Instagram whatever, posted a picture of them. Um, you can go check it out. Megan looks beautiful as usual. Um, and he's, you know, he's who he is. Um, look, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not saying that he's like hideous or anything. I just think that, I think that Megan Fox is very pretty and I think that he's like a normal dude. And that's fine. I'm a normal girl. I'm not like trying to like diss him in any way. (laughs) That does sound like a diss. I'm just saying it doesn't matter. Anyways, let me move on. (laughs) Um, So he captioned it. I wear your blood around my neck. Because apparently he has a vial, a necklace that has a vial of her blood. Like what twilight nonsense is this? That's just so weird to me. Didn't Angelina Jolie, wasn't she in a relationship with Billy Bob Thornton? And didn't she like have his blood or like he had her hair or like something like that and lock it? There was some weird stuff going on with that relationship too. Um, That was a very, very dark relationship and seems very much like the mother of this relationship, to be honest. Anyways, um, yeah, so he has a vial of her blood. If any of you guys want a present from me and you want to wear a necklace of my blood, that's not happening, okay? That's not happening. I hate getting my blood drawn. I am not about to just go out for funsies and get my blood drawn to put in a vial to give to you. Maybe she, like, what do you think she did? Like, prick her finger and squeeze out a few drops? I'm just wondering what she did to create this vial, you know? And like, if you're a doctor, if I have any doctors listening to this, um, first of all, are you single? (laughs) Just kidding. Um, but not really. Anyways, um, like doesn't blood have to be stored? I'm just thinking of like at hospitals when they're like, we need 30 CC of type O blood or whatever. I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, but like, I feel like it has to be stored somewhere. I mean, all I'm saying is I've seen vampire diaries and I'm pretty sure they store their blood there that they drink in a refrigerator. 
but like I understand that that's maybe not um like the best source of information for me to be taking them like I shouldn't be taking information from that but I feel like you have to like probably store it properly right so like how is this vial just chilling there with blood in like what happens to blood after a certain amount of time when it's just out and about you know because like your wounds will like scab over but like just freestanding blood wouldn't scab over obviously like that's weird that but like does it like coagulate like let me know. If you know a lot about blood, let me know because I don't want to look it up because I'll get really queasy and possibly pass out. And I don't want that to happen. I've almost passed out once before after giving blood and it was the most horrifying thing in my life. And I didn't want to tell anyone that I was about to pass out as the blood was draining from my face because I didn't want to make a scene. My mother did remind me later that like making like actually passing out would make more of a scene than me just saying, Hey, I need to sit down. But like, I refused to tell anyone that I needed help. So I also had to give a urine sample. And so like I rushed into the bathroom, but I couldn't see anything because my vision was like totally black at that point. And basically just like had to like sit down on the toilet and like put my head between my knees for the blood to come back. And then I didn't pass out. I like basically like willed myself not to pass out. So that tells you a little something about my mental fortitude. I'm very strong. (laughs) Um, Anyways, I have only gotten through one of these. Okay, continuing on. Okay, the post that she made, this is my favorite, you guys. This is my absolute favorite. She posted on Valentine's Day as well. um, A cute little picture of them in like a sweatsuit. Love that comfy look for them. Um, But she posted like this weird poem I guess you could call it let me just read it for you okay (laughs) just just put yourself in a like peaceful place and listen to these words here goes my heart I cannot even say these words okay here goes my heart manifest outside of my body draped in the towering silhouette of a most unusually handsome boy Magical and haunted, kinetic and tortured, ethereal and dangerous, cosmic, lawless, eternal, creative genius. The journey will likely be perilous, but there is no destination without him. And I think this is also the post that she calls him Rehab Barbie. Oh yeah, happy Valentine's Day, Rehab Barbie. First of all, what a nickname for your significant other, Rehab Barbie. Like, I get it. I get why she calls him that because he does kind of look like a Rehab Barbie. Um, but like, I can't imagine having a relationship or even wanting to have a relationship that I describe them in this way. Ethereal and dangerous. The journey will likely be perilous. I don't want a perilous journey. Kinetic and tortured. I, I don't. I don't want that. Like she does. So good for her. You guys can live your best magical and haunted love life. But I, it's weird, right? It's weird, (laughs) right? Anyways, she said before that they're not soulmates, which is fine. I don't believe in soulmates. Um, But instead they're twin flames, which I also don't believe in, but they do. So good for them. They're twin flames, which she describes as where a soul has ascended into a high enough level that it can be split into two different bodies at the same time. So we're actually two halves of the same whole, I think. Which I will say that like that's a very intriguing thought and I wonder what that would feel like to meet someone who you feel like is like the other half of your soul. Um, That seems like a pretty intense connection, I could imagine. Um... But like, how do you get your soul to ascend to a high enough level? Because to me, this situation where your soul has ascended to a level where it can be split into different bodies seems like a horcrux to me. Like, is he her horcrux? If she keeps living forever, we'll know, right? But the whole, like, I've read Harry Potter. I've read all seven books. I've watched all the movies. And I know that splitting your soul is not a good thing. Splitting your soul is not something that anyone should recommend. And it sounds to me like they are. So at least that's how she puts it. Um, And she said that she said this to him almost immediately because I felt it right away. 
let me just tell you, if I went on a date with someone and he was like, I think we are the same soul in two different bodies, I would get out of there so quickly. The door would be swinging shut behind me. I would have elbowed people out of the way, okay? my There would be skid marks in the parking lot as I screeched on out of there as quickly as possible. Like, immediately? You say that to someone immediately? I mean, I guess that's a great way to like figure out if they've got the same kind of vibe as you because, um, wow, that's you're just throwing them right in. Um, also, she says, Megan says the first time they met each other at a party... She couldn't see his face because their spirit guides were luring them away from each other, which you think like maybe you should be listening to your spirit guides then, you know, like she basically said that they were, she thinks they weren't allowed to see each other yet. They weren't supposed to run into each other that night. So maybe she thinks that it was just like the timing wasn't right and they had to meet later. Um, but she basically said they had no face like the thing from Spirited Away, AKA no face from Spirited Away she basically couldn't see his face, which I'll just let that, I'll just let that marinate in your mind for a little bit because wow. Um, her first words to him were you smell like weed. Um, so if that's not a meat cute, I don't know what is. She couldn't see his face. And then when she actually did meet him, she said, you smell like weed. And she says, she describes their first actual meeting as, I just remember this tall, blonde, ghostly creature. And I looked up. It just seems like, it seems like fan fiction, right? Doesn't it seem like someone writing bad fan fiction wrote this relationship? Look, they're really happy together. I keep feeling like I need to like tell you that I'm not dissing on their joy. I'm just confused by what's going on in their minds when they say these things. Because after she said, you smell like weed, apparently his response was, I am weed. And then Megan says, he disappeared like a ninja in a smoke bomb. Like I, you guys, I can't, I can't describe this. I can't, I don't, I do not have words with how weird this is. Um, I just, I mean, he apparently hung a, 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 like a poster from her and Transformers in his room when he was a kid, but that's not that surprising to be honest. Um, but like they went to Costa Rica to take ayahuasca, the hallucinogenic drug, which again, does not surprise me. Um, and they went to hell for eternity. So that like doesn't really sound fun to me. Um, so I just feel like, I feel like they're on a lot of drugs. Okay. I just think they're both taking a lot of drugs. That's just, I'm just going to say that's just the vibe that I'm getting from them. <laughs> um, she calls him her achingly beautiful boy. And she gave him a tattoo that looks like a fairy ghost did it. That's what he says about it. It looks like a fairy ghost did it, did it. And it's the best tattoo he's ever seen. And apparently they have matching tattoos that say the darkest fairy tale because it alludes back to one of the first text messages they ever sent to each other. (sighs) Again, if I had a guy tell me that like, I was his darkest fairy tale or something. I feel like, what are you saying? What are these words coming out of your mouth? The darkest fairy tale? Like, what does that even mean? I don't want to be a part of the darkest fairy tale. Like, what is this? Like, the Grimm brothers fairy tales? Because those are pretty dark. If you guys have not read the Grimm's fairy tale, like the Grimm fairy tale, whatever book, the fairy tales written by the Grimm brothers. That's what I'm saying. Um... They're pretty dark. I mean, like Cinderella's stepsisters were like literally cutting off their toes and their heels to try to fit them in the shoe. And like the little mermaid, when she didn't get the prince, like fell into the ocean and turned into sea foam. Like people were dying left and right, cutting off body parts, getting eyes plucked out. Like it's pretty. 
pretty dark. I don't know that I'd want to be compared to one of those fairy tales, but like, whatever, you can call me basic. Maybe I just, maybe I just want a normal love and they clearly don't. And that's fine. Um, they did a GQ cover together, which is something else. You can look, you can look that up on your own time. Um, I think I would get flagged. I mean, obviously I can't post it because this is a podcast, so you can't see anything, but, um, it's interesting to say the least. Um, but basically Megan said that their love story was the tale of two outcasts and star crossed lovers caught in the throes of a torrid solar flare. What? Um, so, okay. Her full caption, it says that. And then it says that it's a solar flare of a romance featuring, I can't say all of the things on here. So you're just going to have to look at her Instagram post, but Feverish obsession, guns, addiction, shamans, lots of blood, general mayhem, therapy, tantric night terrors, binding rituals, chakra sound baths, psychedelic hallucinations, organic smoothies, and dot, dot, dot. You can um, look that up yourself because I feel like I've said that word enough tonight. Um, Not tonight, today, as I've been doing this episode. But um, anyways, yeah. I don't want any of those things that she's mentioning. Feverish obsession, that's not healthy. Um, therapy, okay. People should go to therapy, that's fine. But like, the like ritual stuff and all that, like that sounds real weird. That's, that's just, that's, I don't know. I, I'm trying to get through the last few good ones to see if there's anything else. Um... He waited an eternity to find her again, is what he said. Their souls are intertwined on a higher plane. A lot of our relationship is handled for us by our ancestors and the spirits and energies that are watching over us. I mean, that's great. If any if any spirits or energy or ancestors want to handle my relationships, much appreciated. Um, I would like that so that I don't have to do that myself. But I just... They have an energy that sits weird with me. You know, it's unsettling, I should say. It's unsettling. But again, like every happiness to them both, you know. <laughs> um, I'm happy that they've they've found each other, I guess. Um, I just don't know why they're so public about some of these things. But okay, here's my theory. So I'm going to say this quickly because I don't want this to go over an hour. So I need to just say my theory and then wrap it up. Um, look, I, I think because she got married so young or was in a serious relationship at a young age, like we established before, she started dating Brian Austin Green when she was 18. And then I do think that they broke up once or twice at least. Um, anyways, but like it was a serious relationship for quite some time. And I think that she just, A, I just don't think she's a traditional person, which is fine. I do think that she has um, beliefs that are maybe not mainstream. Um, And I think that possibly in her previous relationship slash like in her marriage, she was maybe not able to fully be herself in that way. Um, And also, wow, I'm saying um a lot. I'm sorry. Anyways, I almost just said it again. So I just think she wasn't able possibly to be her full self. Or maybe she's exploring different things after getting out of that relationship. Um, She's just... Now I'm so self-conscious every time I say um. I think she could be exploring different things, lifestyles, uh, spiritual beliefs, whatever, after getting out of this huge like this relationship that took a huge part of her life and I just but a a big part of me thinks that because she got into a relationship at a young age with someone who like he had already experienced life at not life but like he was 30 at the time so he had done whatever he had done in his 20s I don't know but he had probably like had a good time in his 20s and she settled down pretty quickly maybe not settled down but they dated for a while then they had I mean she got divorced what this year and they have three kids she's 35 
So she had kids in her 20s, which again is not a big deal and it's not bad. And I think for some people, settling down, aka getting married and having kids in their 20s is great and that works for them. But like, I partially think that maybe after getting out of that relationship, she's like, oh, wait, what did I miss? Like, what did I not get to do in my 20s? And to me, this relationship feels very much like a crazy teen relationship, you know, where like, there's like these two teens that are in love with each other and they're just so obsessed with each other. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're so in love. And it just gets so dramatic. Just like that angsty teen love. And to me, it feels like it's like that because she never really got to experience that. She was in the industry when she was 13, 14, 15 years old, um, was when she got into the industry. I think the first movie would have been in 2001 and she's born in 1986 so you can do the math but she was young at the time obviously when she kind of first tried to break through into Hollywood and her first um movie with Transformers was 2007 so she was 21 she's probably 20 when it was filming um or 19 who knows now all of you guys are probably gonna be catching what I'm saying um because I pointed it out so I really just ruined it for myself but anyways she was obviously very young and I think that she never had that experience of like a normal teen romance I mean I didn't have that weird angsty experience either so and I'm fine but I think some people might be predisposed to that sort of relationship or desire or behavior of like just being so obsessed with your significant other And I think because she didn't have that experience, they're kind of like experiencing that together now, if that makes sense. That's why I pointed out when, how, like how young she was when she got married or started dating someone who had significant life experience over her, because part of me wonders if after they broke up and with Colson Baker, she is like, now I can just do whatever I want and say whatever I want. I just wonder what her kids think about the situation. Like, I'm sure Colson Baker, he seems like a good dad to his daughter um, from, like, the two posts I've seen of them. And I'm sure, like, I know that they went on a vacation because when I was looking up all these timelines, like, they just took their all their kids, like, her three children, his daughter, they all went to Greece together on a family vacation. So look, they're, they're there for each other's kids and that's great. They seem to have a good relationship with each other. Um, I just wonder about some of the things that they've posted, like the words that they've said, I would feel really weirded out if I got older and looked back on those words. And like, if my parents had said that about each other, I'd be like, what's happening? What were you even saying? Like what, and what are their, what are their PR people doing? (laughs) Do they just let them post whatever they want? I don't know. I don't know. Look, long story short, every happiness to them both. (laughs) But it's just the things they say are kind of crazy, right? How do I say that in a nice way? They just seem to have a really, 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 really weird relationship. And I don't want to say toxic because they do seem to make each other very happy. And I don't know of any like actual emotional, mental, or physical abuse that's going on. There's been no signs of that. That's also not really my job to speculate that. Uh, But just like how dark and twisted their relationship seems to be from what they're saying. Like, I don't know if they're just saying that it is to be like dramatic, like for the effect, which could be the case. And just to like be public and crazy about it. Or if it really is that weird and dark behind closed doors I am confused about that anyways again this is not my business I hope that they live a happy long life as the darkest fairy tale that they want to be but it's just so weird that I can't not talk about it like the twin flame stuff and the posts that they make rehab Barbie it's very confusing look If the future love of my life is listening to this right now, never, ever post any of those things about me ever. (laughs) Actually, just don't post about me at all. I'm fine with that. I don't need public posts. Um, Just do cute, nice things to me privately. Ooh, that sounded weird. For me, privately. (laughs) Um, 
Anyways, that's it. Uh, that's, that's all I think I have to say about them. I, I'm just looking at a picture of them. I'm very confused about this. I'm still confused about it. But whatever. I hope that their kids are fine with everything. And I hope that they uh, have everything that they wish for in life. Like, I mean, in their relationship. You know, Megan and, and Coulson. But do you think she calls him Coulson? There's no way she calls him Machine Gun Kelly, right? I mean, I wouldn't know. Maybe she just calls him Rehab Barbie. They probably have weird pet names for each other, don't they? They probably have like really, really, really weird and creepy pet names. Hmm. Anyways, that's just something to think about. I'll leave that little nugget of wisdom with you. Anyways, I'm going to wrap up here. Um, no idea what I'm going to talk about next week, but we'll figure it out. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And this has been your weekly dose of serotonin. Bye.